anybody in a church context says, what do you think of Exodus? You immediately think of two things, don't you? Plagues of Egypt, and what's the other one? Snakes, Ten Commandments, is that the other thing you think of? It's in movies. I was thinking Raiders of the Lost Ark, that's an Exodus theme. Um, there's all sorts of movies over the years that I've forgotten. Um, it's it's part popular culture, it's in our references, it's all over the place. And here we begin in chapter 7 with the plagues of Egypt. Probably not going to do a lot about the plagues here. Very sorry about that. They're well known. But one of the passages we're going to read again and again and again is what we find. It'll be something similar to what we find in verse 3 of chapter 7. And it's how the Lord puts it. And this is how he puts it. He says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my signs and wonder in Egypt... He will not listen to you. I will harden Pharaoh's heart. It's quite impressive, isn't it? It's a thing that I will do, is how it's put time and time and time again. I want to look into that. I want to, I don't know about you, but it presents an issue for me. Um, and that's why I want to look into it. But let us pray right now as we get into the passage. <clears throat> Lord, we do ask for open minds and open hearts to consider your word, to be careful with the history of your dealing with your people, that we might be careful to consider all of Scripture, that we might know you better. And Lord, for us today here as we listen, as we consider what your word is saying, open our hearts and minds, I pray. Amen. There's a couple of other places that this um, phrase is used. Um, I don't know if you want to flick or if you want to listen. <clears throat> Sorry, I don't have anything on the screen today. But the first one's in Daniel, uh, chapter 5, verse 20. And it's in reference to Nebuchadnezzar. And the, the scene is Daniel's an older man. He's an advisor to a king called Balshazzar. They had great names back in those days. And he is making a reference to Nebuchadnezzar, who was a king that God had dealings with. Uh, basically, Nebuchadnezzar went crazy. And they kicked him out of the palace. And the way it's described, he ate grass like cows do for, I think, a year or two. And then he finally came back to his senses and they put him back in the palace again. But this is how Daniel describes this, telling this history to Belshazzar. And he says, but when, or Nebuchadnezzar, his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was disposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. There's another reference to hardened hearts. And you'll find this one in 2 Chronicles 36 chapter 13, and it's in reference to a Israeli king called Zedekiah, the last Israeli king before they got carried off into captivity. And this is what it says of the history. It says, he also, or Zedekiah, rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, who had made him take an oath in God's name. So he had sworn to do something. 
He became stiff-necked, hardened his heart, and would not turn to the Lord, the God, the God of Israel. And I think it's really insightful to look at these other references to where this phrase hardened heart is used in Scripture. Because it gives us a better understanding of what's going on here in Exodus. And each time it's pride, arrogance, being stiff-necked. Anybody ride horses here or have ridden horses? It's not a reference we use anymore, but this is a really, really, really common thing when it was written. Um, horses put a metal thing in their mouth called a bit, and you sit on their back and you pull two things called reins, and they're supposed to turn their head, and a horse will always follow its head, so as they turn their head, the rest of the body goes with them. And trust me, Ridden a lot of horses over a lot of time, looking at my brother there, been there, done that. A stiff-necked horse is not easy to ride because you pull on that rein and that bit and that head does not move and you want them to go to the right and they just keep going straight ahead. Um, be it a fence, tree, other objects, they just, and they resist you. That's, that is the phrase they're using here, being stiff-necked. They follow the head and it's not going in the direction you want them to go. Um, and, they re and refusing to turn to the Lord. And this describes the current Pharaoh, doesn't it? I want to put this in context. If you go back to um, Exodus chapter 1, it, it shows what this is all about. In chapter 1, down there in... Um, in verse 8, it says there's a new king or a new pharaoh comes, um, becomes the ruler of Egypt who doesn't know Joseph. And he looks at his nation, his country, and he says, my goodness, we've got this group of people that live different to us. They live in a separate area called Gershon, and they're becoming really, really populous. There's a lot of them. So he uses two arguments. He says, first of all, we need national security. We need to make sure that we're a safe country. And we've got this group of people that are not connected to us in our nation, in our country. And if they side with our enemies, we're stuffed. It can't happen. So we need national security. The other thing is he said, hmm, we can make money out of this. This will be a good thing. So they decided to enslave the Israelis or the Hebrews, and they made them slaves. And also they thought this will keep them under control because we'll work them so hard they can't have babies and they'll die, die early and die young and there'll be less of them over time. So he's going to solve three issues with one great idea. So he puts them into slavery. Now, over in chapter 7, we're three pharaohs later. So this has been going on for over 200 years. So pharaoh after pharaoh, king after king, family after family have seen and had and experienced the results 
of Israeli slaves. It was their public works. Uh, back there in chapter 1, it talks about two specific cities that these Israeli slaves built in their entirety. Um, you know, down in chapter 6 last week, we hear about the brick-making industry that underpins all the public works in, in Egypt. And it has to continue. Doesn't matter where you get your resources from. They had a program, they had an industry, they had an entire government built upon the bricks being made by the Israelis. And it had to continue. There was no reason why Pharaoh would want to give up the Israelis. He had everything to gain and he had everything to lose if he gave them their freedom. He also had the normalization. What's normal in Egypt? Is Israelis are slaves. That's just the way life is. Everybody has them. I mean, it was so normal that a childless woman finds an Israeli baby in the river and says, oh, gee, I want a baby. I'll have that. And she just organizes to have it. And everybody thinks that's absolutely normal. It just, it, it, it was part of their culture. So when it talks about God hardening Pharaoh's heart. How did God harden Pharaoh's heart? He just let him continue to have his own free will and to do what the rest, all of his ancestors had done. Pharaoh was just continuing to do what the last three Pharaohs had done the whole time. They had no reason there was nothing in it for them to let the Israelis go free and to worship their God. He gave him a free will to choose and to decide how he'd live his life. And Pharaoh chose. He just chose because that's what they did. They chose oppression. They chose arrogance. They chose pride. And they chose profit. And that's how his heart was hardened. There is a third place in the Bible that we find this, this reference of hardened heart. It's in the New Testament. Paul uses it in Romans chapter 9, verse 17. And Paul uses it because he's making a reference to this very same um, incident in time of God leading the Israelis out of Egypt and... Um, coming up against Pharaoh. And this is how Paul writes, and he says, <clears throat> For scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. Do you find that slightly offensive? Or what do I do with that? I know I get conflicted over it because I want to think, I want to have freedom of my choices. That idea that I am destined for destruction, that I have no choice in it, I 
somehow grates with me. Um, and I've had conversations with people, and I don't know if you've had them, but they have used this argument to say, well, those people are just destined for destruction, so we will not care about them or for them. And I find that a difficult, there's something that grates in that to me also. You see, we, we demand our freedom. We want the right to choose. We want the right to self-determination. And it seems somehow wrong that people might be excluded from God's grace and mercy, not because of their own choosing. Now, these are, these are deep conceptual things, but they actually are important, how you think about this, because they will determine how you deal with other people. They really do. And there's two fundamental issues here. The first one, still hard to handle, but all people, all creation choose wrong. I'll say that again. All people, all creation chooses wrong. When we are left to our own free will, we will always choose wrong. That's, I know you think that's not quite right. And I know you think that because I think the same thing. But the thing is, what does it mean to be born in sin? What does it mean to be born at odds with God? It means that we are destined to always choose wrong. You see, we so much, almost everything we do comes from fear, from greed, from pride, from arrogance, or from selfish convenience. It just drives everything in us. We're not neutral, is what I'm trying to say. We're actually bent towards wrongness. So we, we just deviate to selfishness time and time and time and time again. The second principle here is God is good. God is always good. He never does anything that is against his own nature. He does good to all at all times. And he only has our good in mind as he directs us. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is always good? When he hardened Pharaoh's heart? When I watch my children take on a different worldview from my own? When I have people that just will treat me badly, doesn't matter what I do. And, and I expect something different. Is God always good when, you know, Henry's wife is crook. People die. Terrible things happen. Is God always good? Because until we answer that, you will not get a resolution to this issue. Everybody's really quiet. Nobody's even saying, that's wrong, that's wrong. <laughs> Have a think on these things. These are important things. 
How did God harden Pharaoh's heart? He just left him to his own devices. He gave Pharaoh free choice. He gave Pharaoh the ability to do anything he wanted to do. And Pharaoh just continued to choose what all the other pharaohs had done, what his history showed him, what his family's choices had been over generations. He just continued on that line. That is the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. So you can ask, why didn't God try to change Pharaoh's heart and soften it? Because when we, when we read this, we think that Pharaoh's neutral. You know, you can think that. Pharaoh's neutral. But God, you know, specifically said, you know, don't add water to the, to the clay, make it hard. You see, Pharaoh's already bent one way. He's like the rest of us. He's on, a, he's on a journey of pride and selfishness and arrogance and self-serving already. It's left to your own devices. You will always choose wrong. And that is the hardening of your heart. It's that refusal to recognize the Lord. That is the hardening. Pharaoh is just following history. And it was normal for him. It gave his nation stability. It gave his nation security. It gave his nation wealth. It gave his nation joy to families to have children that were childless. What possible reason would he want to let Israel go? God is in the business of changing the direction of Pharaoh. That's what he's doing. God is in the business of changing the direction of Pharaoh. He's going to show him the power of God. He's going to show him that he is the master of the universe, the creator who is active in all things, and he is asking Pharaoh to change his mind. You know? He shows that he literally can take a staff and change it into a snake. Not only that, it eats up other snakes and changes back into a staff again. I mean, it's just, I don't know how you want to put it. It's miraculous. Just doesn't happen every day. To go out and to just pass your staff over a small little body of water, or a small little section of a river, and everything that is water in that nation turned to blood. Hard to imagine, isn't it? Well, we think of blood as fresh blood, don't we? You ever seen blood four days old? Not a happy sight. Not a happy sight. Um, you know, and, and it just causes people grief. They're out there digging wells down the side of the bank of the river just to try to get drinking water. How long does a human last without water? You can go about five or six days without food. How long can you last without water? Three days. Suddenly gets very, very short, doesn't it? You've got to find a solution immediately. And this was the predicament. God is showing him, change your mind. This is 
The God of the universe, this is the creator that is wanting you to change your mind. This is what you're up against. Will you listen to God's call in your life? If you put this over in our own context, these are hard things. <clears throat> Excuse me. See, so much of our hardened of hearts is just our history. If you are used to getting your own way, if you are used to dominating other people through physical violence, if you are used to arguing your way out of every predicament, if you have enough money to where you can buy the satisfactions that you crave, and if that's been your family history, and that's been what everybody else around you does, it's just normal, isn't it? It's just normal. You don't even think about it as being a hardened heart. But if it involves pride, it involves arrogance, it involves selfish convenience, that is hardened heart. How does God change you? How does God change that? And, you know, it will maybe seem going in the wrong direction, just like it did for Pharaoh. It may not be profitable. And it may seem like you will lose your security. That, those things happen. To change direction, to change from being bent to wrong, to following the Lord, will mean a real serious change of direction. And it will t feel terribly insecure. And it will seem wrong to yourself and to other people around you. Just like it would have done for Pharaoh. And you will lose profitability. You may lose wealth. But that is what God's call on us is. Will you pray with the psalmist? This is how he put it. He asked God, create in me a clean heart, O God, not a hardened heart. And renew a right spirit within me. I would encourage you to consider these words very carefully. God calls us to follow him and not the bent of wrongness. It is just within all of us, just like it was in Pharaoh. Let me pray. And then um, Phil's king's going to come forward and he's going to lead us in communion as remember Jesus. Lord God, I do pray for all of us here, for myself especially. Create in us a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within us that we might be bent towards you and be malleable and softened towards you. Amen. Amen.